We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. At Emprise Bank, debit card is good anywhere. Why worry about the nearest building when you can pick a trusted company that cares about the KC Metro? Debit card options to choose from, a new mobile app with all kinds of features. Emprise Bank goes wherever you go and can be your trusted partner wherever you live. They've been our trusted partner with the KCSN Draft Guide and our trusted partner here at KC Sports Network. Uh, they are absolutely wonderful to work with. And again, you could, you could, you can do business with them very easily here in the KC Metro. Uh, like I am and like we are with the KCSN Draft Guide. I am so excited to be back. I missed Monday. I am here with my dear pals, Maddie underscore KCSN. Your voice seems to be recovering okay. Like you're kind of you're kind of a little, little touch and go here. Yeah, it's kind of there, but uh, it hurts. So we're, we're playing through pain right now. We're going full Leo Chanel. We are we are playing through <laughs> it right now. Um, we are gonna battle. We are gonna battle through the pain because that's that's what we do. We're we're addicted to it. The the violence. Uh, yeah. Craig, uh, follow up. Yeah, I'll follow you up here. Uh, yeah, Maddie is Leo Chanel on this podcast. Is Tyler Linderbaum. So get ready. <laughs> He's about to destroy it repeatedly absolutely repeatedly i know we've got some iowa fans that listen to this we don't hate tyler linderbaum we actually like him he's a very very good player. It's just leo chanel was just watch exceedingly the great <laughs> they know no no they watch know it. it i've seen a couple iowa fans come in the kcs in discord or something yeah. and just mention like hey why you why why you got to keep putting our guy tyler linderbaum down by showing <laughs> these plays like right like why you gotta do that like the one bad game he played in his entire college football career and you're mm-hmm. just gonna keep highlighting it over and over again well, I mean, when when the linebacker that made him look so so terrible is on the Chiefs, yes, we are going to do that. But yeah, we um we are done with the draft, and it feels like I don't know what to do with my hands. Well, that's perfect. I got my 2023 big board ready, and um, we're okay, gonna start ripping through well, it. Well, that is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. Um, <laughs> well, honestly, we should save that Leo Chanel fan fiction that we just put together but non fiction I, <laughs> I swear sometimes the best stuff on our show happens before we actually hit record <laughs> the moments that have had me in tears have been the ones that we haven't had on air and leo chanel fan fiction i'm sorry that's non-fiction. how we get to flexibility <laughs> i don't did you hear that craig i did, did hear you, that jeff you, is amazing did you hear me invent a word and then jeff just mercilessly roast me he was, mm-hmm. he was it was you know 
we had a, we had a good time. We had a good time. Yes, um, we, did. we did. I it was weird. It's you know like I. It's weird being back. I know you guys did a show already. It's weird being back in this setting and you know not rubbing knees with with Maddie sitting next to me. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, all right. So here's what we got today. There's been some. There's been some media tour since uh, since the Chiefs you know, draft occurred. You, you, Brett Veach went on with Mike Florio. Brett Veach spoke to the local media. I think there's some interesting things that came away from it. Maddie, the most interesting thing you heard was something from the Mike Florio injury or uh, interview. It was, and it's not necessarily a specific quote, but it was just the whole section about trading up to 21 for Trent McDuffie and the process of doing that versus taking a defensive end or a defensive lineman. And essentially the takeaway, the general takeaway that I got was that, that Brett Veach saw Trent McDuffie and Kair Elam and then a cliff at corner. Like he kind of felt that those two guys were the final and then it was a relatively big cliff in his mind and he felt a lot better about the defensive lineman. And I believe kind of what it came down to was when the Chiefs were trading up, he said it was always for a corner and then he specifically put those two names out there, Trent McDuffie, Kair Elam. And then after he did that, he kind of talked about how, oh, we knew Buffalo was looking to come up for a corner. We thought Cincinnati and Tennessee, Tennessee was another team that he mentioned. So like hmm. they didn't think they could sit at 29 to get one of those two. And those are the only two names he mentioned. He didn't mention Kyler Gordon. He didn't mention Andrew Booth. He mentioned those two names, but went on to say that they kind of liked their options for defensive line a little bit better. So yeah, I think even if Trent McDuffie was gone, which we've all heard by now that they didn't expect to be available, they didn't have a scenario for him being available, they might have been planning to make this move for Kair Elam from the get-go. Like their plan going into round one might have been moving up. He specifically said from 18 is when they started calling back to 21. He said, and it sounds like Kair Elam was the scenario, quote unquote, that they were probably trying to work out in that in that regard. Yeah, which kind of makes some of those mock drafts leading up to there. Like, there was a lot of Kair Elam to the Chiefs smoke there. It, it makes that probably true if we're, if we're looking at that and we're listening to the way that Veach is speaking there. And it makes some sense. I, I think we all agree that the cliff that happens after those guys is pretty, pretty far. Like, I wouldn't have really wanted them to spend a significant asset on a guy until day three when they spent the significant assets on all the guys that I wanted them to at the cornerback position. But I, I do think that, you know, it, he, he played the board masterfully in that regard. You know, he knew that he needed to get a cornerback, had something in place either way. You know, Trent McDuffie goes off the board before that. He's got Kyrie Elam in his back pocket, another high football character guy, a little bit longer than Trent McDuffie, but I mean, obviously Trent McDuffie's tape is better. Like, I think he is overall the better player there. And then he knew that he was going to be able to catch a defensive end. You know, George Karloftis still ends up at pick 30. I, I know we all thought that when the trade up occurred, that it almost certainly had to be for Jermaine Johnson. Like he, he was falling so far. We all really kind of wanted, you know, one of these top four defensive ends and Jermaine Johnson there, you know, 21. He's got an impact to him. But I do see where he's coming from there. I would much rather have a Trent McDuffie and a George Karloftis than a Jermaine Johnson and a reach for a corner. 
you know, like one of these second round guys and feeling like you really had to make a move. Put a name there. on it. Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie's team. Kyler put Gordon. A, put yes. a name there. Let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and call it Kyler Gordon because, you know, the Chiefs had some of their scouting department out there. They had their West Coast, their area scout, the regional scout out there. And he talked a lot about Joshua Williams or uh, Jalen Watson. Sorry, Jalen Watson, uh, Watkins out of Washington State. He, they talked a lot about him. And they talked a little bit about Trent McDuffie. And so he was throwing names out there and it didn't sound like they were very high on Kyler Gordon, at least from his point of view, that they didn't really view him in the same tier. So I would, well, I will say, I will say, um, Andy Reid, when he was on with NFL Network, he did actually single out Kyler Gordon and kind of was happy to see him. Like he actually singled him out. It was like the other Washington corner was pretty good too and said some mm-hmm. stuff there. So there's that. Sorry. Didn't even know his name. Yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> that's, that's Andy though. Yeah, it's true. That's true. He does. Who's his third the, tight end? That uh, that oh, kid uh, from Duke. Yeah, the, you know, the okay. Iowa tight end, and they're like, Andy hadn't <laughs> played at Iowa in twelve years. No, the Iowa one. You know the one I'm talking about. No, no, it's. It, I really would. I would much rather have Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis than Jermaine Johnson and Kyler Gordon. I think the floor is higher with the with the players that the Chiefs got. I think Trent McDuffie is a lot better than those guys. So I I'm completely on board. The question I would have is, would you be okay with Kyer Elam and George Karloftis? Or is that where you start going the other direction with it? Does does it become more of a toss up for you in that scenario? Kyler Kyer Elam and George Karloftis or Jermaine Johnson and Kyler Gordon. Go ahead, Maddie. I know you, you look very, you look very excited. I have my answer for this. Um, I, I think you reach. I think if you trade up for Kyir Elam there, you are reaching to fulfill a position. And like, let's just go ahead and dive into this now. Brett Beach has said the phrase like eight times since the end of the year, putting an end to the, the rumor that we don't invest in corners. Like this is clearly something that has gotten to him and yeah. it bothers him. It bothers him that that was out there, right? If they did this trade, if they traded a one, three, and four just to go up and get Kyir Elam, and I don't yell at me because I didn't say anything to get a one back. Okay. People that get mad about how you phrase trade talk, get over it. Okay. Like, <laughs> let's be real here. Get over it. Um, if you trade a one, three and four to go get Kyir Elam, I feel like you're reaching. I feel like you're letting the fan perspective. You're letting an outside perspective uh, kind of affect what you're doing. And I get it. Clearly he impressed teams. He brought his notebook. He told mm-hmm. people what notes he took why he took them, how he wants to get better. It seems like he really did knock out of interviews out of the park. So that's awesome. I personally would just feel like they reached a little bit to go trade up to that spot for Kyir Elam. I don't know why. If you don't trade up, I think Buffalo probably takes Trent McDuffie. And you might be able to 100%. trade up not as far. Or you might not have to trade up at all to get Kyir Elam. I get the worry. It's just in the back of my mind, I would be thinking, mm, you kind of reach. Now, to Craig's point earlier, I think there's at least half a round, if not more gap in my grading system over Kyir Elam and Jalen Armour Davis, who's my next corner, or Kyler Gordon. So like, he's clearly better. So I wouldn't be like fully mad. It's not like they traded up and then took a terrible player. It's just, I don't think he's as good as Trent McDuffie or even close. So I would feel like they were reaching to fill a very specific need that they created on their own by never caring about the position until now we get it. You like corners. You haven't seen a read to. It's just like, it would come across differently 
if you continue to say, oh, no, we like corners, we we do invest in them, and then you trade up for Kyrie Elam to me. That would feel like a reach. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they, like, we, they, they had to address it this year. I think this had to be, like, we knew, like, the one, the 135 pick streak or whatever, where it was like they hadn't picked above 130 or below 135. That was 100% ending. That was 100% And they did it in a big way. Do you know who I think believes that uh, Trent McDuffie's a better player than Kyrie Elam? Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills. You were you big go, on this. I you were, you go, were big on this. Just go watch this video a little bit. There, go watch the reaction. Go watch everything. I don't think Brandon Bean's disappointed that he has Kyrie Lowe because I think the football character plays. I think he's a good football player. Don't get me wrong. But I've seen Brandon Bean a lot more excited about a draft pick and about a draft scenario than he was. Like he was, it was Cody Ford a few years ago. He was beyond excited and nervous and anxious about getting Cody Ford in the back or in the front end of the of the second round. Freaking just kind of like nervous and anxiety. That was a very calm room. Didn't really look there wasn't a ton of energy in the room like there has been in the past with some of these scenarios with Brandon Bean. He just, you know, he calmly made the decision we're going to move up. Hey, we just lost. I think I think that's this. I think he lost his corner. He lost his favorite corner. He couldn't trade up to pick 21 because he was trying to trade with an intra, an intra division team so he was locked out of potentially trading with the with the patriots and so he was stuck and the chiefs went ahead and moved up and grabbed him cuz pick 20 wasn't available either the, the steelers were going to get their quarterback yeah so specifically brett in. veach brett veach said that they knew pittsburgh was taking a corner because they had zero interest in even talking about a trade back so he said they knew that the only time you do that is taking a quarterback so he knew Pittsburgh when they was going to the quarterback. That's what he said in part of that Mike Florio interview. So, I mean, if you're looking at it, like, I mean, the Bills would have had to get up to at least 19. And, I mean, the Saints didn't weren't trading back probably because they'd already made a move up. So they're going to secure their tackle. Take Tennessee Titans, that scenario with, with uh, you know, with uh, with Traylon Burks. That's not, you know, they're not changing. Like, they kind of, I think the Bills got locked out and the Chiefs went ahead and moved up and were the benefactor of that situation. I think. Can I follow up on that too? Go. Yeah. Brandon Bean went on Pat McAfee's show and talked about how at the end of the day, you pour a drink, you pour a drink of whiskey and you celebrate what you did. And he's very specifically said, when you do a good job, you kind of get yourself a drink, you celebrate at the end of the day. Like, I don't remember the whole interview, but he very specifically said that. Did it look like he was ready to pour a, pour a drink of whiskey there, Ken? <laughs> Absolutely not. He did not look like he was ready to pour himself some Ben Holiday bourbon, which is releasing March 21st of 2022. Oh, man. I know. God, that's what they call you, Hollywood, huh? Oh, call me. Let me start. They're going to start calling me Holiday here pretty quick. Um, yeah. Okay, so like, before we move off of this, though, we didn't. <laughs> neither one of you guys answered it. So are we talking? I, I, all, are we talking more about him calling himself Holiday? I thought that's where we were going right I, now. Uh, I'm I'm trying to move past that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just actively trying to move past that. Real quick, like the Bills trying like, to move past missing out on McDuffie. <laughs> Real quick, just just throwing it out there. I want a definitive answer here. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis? Or Jermaine Johnson and Kyler Gordon, which is your preferred one there? McDuffie and Karloftis easily. Um, right. I would take Jermaine Johnson and Lewis Seen and then fix my corner That's not with the answer, 62. Though, Can't Maddie, Maddie answer, answer this? Good God. 
Okay, from everything that we've heard, Jermaine Johnson was a little different in interviews, right? Jermaine Johnson came across as very off-putting to some people and just different. I don't want to say bad. It's definitely not bad. He just came across as different and it rubbed some teams the wrong way. I heard a story today from Lance Zerline uh, of NFL Network, uh, NFL.com Network, whichever one he's on right now, talking just about how a scout stopped him in the baggage claim and said like, hey, you might just want to be careful how you talk to teams because it's going to impact where you go in the draft. Like this mm. is a story that he shared about what he like heard from a directly from a scout that ran to Jermaine Johnson. So knowing that, hearing that, and then hearing what I've heard about George Karloftis coming out of interviews and just how he crushed it, how he seemed really smart, high, you know, just very high in terms of like his football knowledge and how hard he's going to work. I can see how the Chiefs would have him over Jermaine Johnson. I'm not privy to those, so like maybe Jermaine Johnson was still a little bit ahead of Karloftis for me. But like Trent McDuffie's so much better than Kyer Elam, in my opinion, that I would take that right now. I got a question to shoot back at you guys while we're still mm-hmm. just talking about this one pick. How do you feel like Kyer Elam fits the Chiefs system, fits Steve Spagnuolo better than Trent McDuffie does? And should that have factored in? Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I can see how you would look at the length. I can see that how you could look at the way that he presses. I can see how you look at the way that Kair plays the game of football, the football IQ, and you say, hey, that guy is, you know, a guy that fits Steve Spagnolo really, really well. I'll say this. I don't think Steve Spagnolo's mad at Kair Elam at all. I think he slots right in. I think he plays on the outside and is a starting boundary corner. That being said, Trent McDuffie's tape is significantly better. It does not matter that he has that lack of length. He still plays the ball well in the air. He's ridiculously smart. I I believe Dane Brugler even said on the athletic podcast, basically said that he was, he had his second highest tape grade of any of the corners behind sauce Gardner. So ahead of Derek Stingley. Lance Zerline too. They agreed. Lance Zerline too. They agreed. Yes. Both of those guys said, listen, Trip McDuffie had the second best tape in the class. It is that good. The only reason that he was even remotely available to the Chiefs, and Brett Beach didn't think he was going to be, the only reason is the short arms. And I've been saying that all along. NFL teams hate short arm corners. It's a benefit to the Chiefs. Steve Spagnuolo is going to be able to use him there. He understands the limitations of having a short arm guy. But when the tape is that good, I think, I, I do think that even though Kyrie Lim has the length, has the you know thing that sticks out about what he can do within Spagnuolo's scheme, McDuffie just is that much better of a player at literally everything else that he just is the better fit overall for me. Yeah, there's there's no tra- there's no chance I am trading uh Trent McDuffie for a Kyir Elam. And speaking of trade, Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters. Small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest beans from around the world. They have a first match guarantee. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time. If they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a new bag for free. Whether your friends call you a coffee snob or you just know it when coffee tastes really perfect, Trade's real coffee experts personally taste test over 450 roasts. So they know exactly what to recommend for you. Uh, they've delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com 
in. That is more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. Let trade find your coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. And don't forget, Mother's Day is coming up pretty quick. You don't have much time, but trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. That might be the perfect time. You might just be, you, know, you could just slip them a card and say, hey, I just, just so you know, I got you this subscription. It's great. You know, this is, this might be a perfect last second gift in KCSN. Uh, promo code KCSN will get you that, uh, that little discount there. So, how does that work if I drink it all? I, yeah, I mean, I'm going to yeah, need two of them. You're going to need two subscriptions. going to need, yeah. We're Same co- problem. We're all coffee obsessed here. And when that, when, when that was talking about coffee snobs, they were talking about Craig Sout. Um, <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, um, just to uh, uh, briefly wrap up the Trent McDuffie versus Kaiu and like scheme fit stuff. I think both guys are better in zone. Just one guy has a little bit more length. So you like immediately associate him with Steve Spagnuolo. And I think that that's fair. And you probably immediately associate that with the NFL. And I think that is absolutely entirely, entirely fair to do, but there's a gap. There's a gap in their play to me. I think one's a more complete player that's done more stuff. So like, yeah, give me Trent McDuffie. We will quote unquote, figure out the scheme aspect of it. And I think he can absolutely play man. He's just not going to do it using the length that some other guys will. And I also want to very much this out there. His arms are less than an inch shorter than Derek Stingley Jr. Who went third overall. And I don't I think know. anybody's yeah. batting an eye out, right? Like no, at no, some point talent just takes it. And corners one position where I will say arm length really does matter. Like there is legitimately a point at which well, hey, you can't throw over his arms because they're really long. Trent, for example, if Trent McDuffie gets stacked by a wide receiver, he does not have the length to fight through them to a well-placed football. It's just going to be a fact. That's just going to be a fact. You will see two times a year that's going to happen. It matters. And if you want to punch the wall those two times a year, have at it. But it's every other play that matters more. So it's just like, I get the arms are short. I under, And that's why he was available at 21. I just yeah. wanted to touch on the if he has part. long If he has longer arms, he goes a lot higher and there are definitely like he does everything right sometimes and his arms just aren't long enough like there are (laughs) definitive moments where sometimes he's in fantastic position and he's literally just doesn't have the length at the catch point i mean it it happens one interesting thing you talk about you talk about stingley you talk about trent mcduffie roger mcquery mcquery went 35 
Yeah. My man went early. I didn't think he was going to, I thought the NFL was going to box him out because he has historically. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But look where he went though. Like I they know, just don't the care. They don't care. You're right. They, they have like 13 slot defenders Correct. on that roster. Now, Correct. Trent McDuffie's going to play outside or at least get a chance to maybe Roger McCreary gets to do the same. So like, I, it's not fair of me to box in McDuffie and not McCreary who absolutely played more press man coverage reps than Trent McDuffie did. So like, Hey, have at it. I just thought one played football better than the other and had a better mm-hmm. overall, play, you know, profile. It's just like, yeah, there's two corners that went in the top 40 picks that have never done that since when Craig, like whatever. Ever. Uh, ever. 2010 since 2010. 2010. They just haven't. They they haven't gone that high. I thought McCreary might be a guy that fell to day three, and it was going to be solely because of the arm length, because the the tape and the slow forty, and and all the other testing. The forty was not great either, but the tape is better than other guys that went before him. It it just is. It's so good, and so I get it. It's good to see maybe the NFL recognizing that, you know that they can get away with that. They can become a little more inventive. And we think that Trent McDuffie's playing on the outside. We're pretty sure. You know, everybody has said boundary all along. But then the Chiefs turn around to day three and add a few guys that have length. Add Lonnie Johnson that has length. I'm not certain that Trent McDuffie doesn't kick inside in, in the slot. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens there. They got some flexibility. What are LeJerry Sneed's arm length? Oh, I don't know long? that off the top. Of course, you just ask us this like right off the top, as I if mean, like we that, have this. That is ready? something Craig would know. I off will have it they momentarily. Are Thirty-one and three-eighths inch. Okay. Correct. Uh, so again, not, Craig, no, not over fiftieth percentile. Just want to be very clear. Brett Beach did play that really well, especially since I'm just going to go ahead and assume Andrew Booth Jr. wasn't on their board. So it was Kyler Gordon at thirty-nine, which they weren't getting at fifty. Um, so they would have had to take him at 30 and 29. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, Kyrie and Trent McDuffie went right off the board immediately after. And Brandon Bean moved up immediately after the Chiefs moved up for Trent McDuffie because he got boxed out of trying to trade up for Trent McDuffie. You hate to see it. Uh, you know what's going to happen? Trent McDuffie's getting going to pick Josh Allen uh, off in the AFC Championship game. And then uh, Sky Moore is catching a ball over Kyrie Elam. That's, that's, that's destined to happen now. That's going to be like the next what if for Buffalo where they just have to crush themselves over the draft. Sky Moore's catching a ball over somebody? Oh, he, hey. oh come on. No, He's got some I'm long joking. arms. I'm We're talking joking. arm length here. Sky Moore's got, got some length. 31 He's got inch arms. arms huge hands. Body yes. control. Catch point strength. Strength in his right. hands. Before, okay, before QB guy gets going off on offense, we got we to gotta get back to something else you said. You talked about all the corners and all the defensive backs the Chiefs took. I think that kind of rolls up into just like the Chiefs' entire offseason strategy, which was something mm-hmm. else that Brett Beach talked. Well, do you have something, Kent? Before I, I do have something very important that I want to bring up because well, I do be agree. It is. You talk about arm length and all that stuff, and you, the Chiefs undoubtedly addressed the defensive back position with great aggression. But the days that I think you almost have to exclude the day three picks a little bit. Because if you go back and listen to Brett Feach's logic in the press conference, the reason that they were aggressive with corners in round seven was we're not going to get a chance to recruit these guys to come to Kansas City to compete because they're not going to come because we just drafted three defensive backs. So I think there's, yes, I, everything you're about to say about arm length and size and yada, 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 it's all true. But also, I just thought that was very candid. Like Brett's like, you know, we just had to, we, if we didn't, they weren't coming. Like there was zero chance we were recruiting them, so we just had to go get them. 
Um, which because I like Jalen Watson more than where he was taken. But anyway, sorry, Matthew. Continue. No, no, no. I'm going to push back on Joshua Williams because I think they took him in a spot that's not just oh. camp potty. No, no, yeah, no. I, I, I wasn't saying. I, 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 I didn't think say he's before that. No, no. Yeah. I just Good said man. the seventh round picks. Just oh, Watson. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you said David. Yeah, that's no. Fair. Now, no, 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 no. Now, <laughs> Brett Veach didn't sound overly excited about Joshua Williams. That definitely yeah. sounded like a pick that was made from somebody else and he impressed them with interviews and stuff which got him the okay it's just you listen to brett veach talk about everybody else and then joshua williams is a little bit more ho-hum and uh so you know we'll, we'll see how that one goes that one might be a little bit more of a long play than i kind of initially thought we, we will see we'll see that's how, kind of how it felt with him with the way because like he i mean brett even talked about hey he got he got beat pretty bad and didn't look like he belonged there like he said yeah, that at one point i, was about kept, on, wait, on I kept yeah yeah I kept waiting for him to come back and say, oh, but he got really good by the end. And he never did. He just went on to say he impressed him in interviews and he kept trying. And I'm like, interesting. Cause I mean, I, I didn't agree with his thoughts, but like, just that's the way he left this. So anyway, their strategy though, I just all off season, he touched on this. No defensive lineman, really not in free agency, which this goes back to pre-draft talking about the weird thing where they chose not to keep Tyreek Hill so they could save money and play with the vet D line market that they didn't end up playing with into the draft where they only address one despite according to Brett Veach liking the defensive lineman after round one. Now he then he and his actual presser, he said that other players were valued more. It's so like it's just kind of hard to follow. You just he also what? said there was really only one range of the interior defensive lineman that he liked. It was like there were some guys on day Bad two class. and the board they just like Travis Jones. I mean they didn't like Travis Jones. They didn't like Perion Winfrey or anybody else. I mean, they didn't like anybody. Mm -hmm. They liked the top guys. They didn't like those two because they were taking a bunch of other guys over them. They just simply didn't like them. And that's, it is what it is. It's just, it's interesting to see him talk about rebuilding this defensive line and then do absolutely nothing to actually rebuild this defensive line. You add Outside one, of one pick. No, you add one play. That's not rebuilding though. That's adding a guy to what's there. Oh, I guess they added Taylor Stallworth as well. Like, I don't know if that counts as rebuilding, right? And that was something that he very clearly emphasized. So, do we think we're seeing a shift in just philosophy in terms of coverage over pass rush? That would be a complete 180 for Steve Spagnolo from his history. Do we think it's as absolutely as the way it played out and it's an outlier? Do you think there's a long term? Like, what do we make of that concept that they invested so heavily in defensive backs and free agency in the draft early, in the draft late? And then there's defensive and they're just kind of like, eh. I, I will. I, I will say this, a defensive line of Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, Chris Jones, and George Karloftis rushing in the dime is very Steve Spagnuolo-esque. <laughs> very Steve Spagnuolo. Now, after that, it definitely tapers down. I'm with you. Because after that, it gets real thin. I think we all kind of expected the depth of that position to increase whether it be on the interior on the you know on the exterior i i actually am fairly comfortable with the defensive in depth as it stands right now it's not long-term comfortable but i am fairly comfortable with this year with melvin ingram back if he if they are able to retain him i'm fine with it for this year with a clear focus next year of hey we got to add multiple bodies multiple pass rushers i think that that they could be aggressive in the, the overcorrection that they made in the secondary this year can happen along the defensive line. Um, I like it though. Like I like the investment in the secondary. I like the investment in both safety and corner. I like the ability that they're going to have to have some 
longer bodies that they like on the outside and still have these other guys like McDuffie and Sneed that may have some flexibility, some flexibility to quote one Kent Swanson. You know, I, I do like it. I think that this was probably always going to be the case in the draft. I mean, if Brett Veach is planning on trading up for Kyrie Ingram, I think he still turns around and drafts Joshua Williams in day three. Like, I don't think that changes the draft strategy for them. I, I Brian Cook, I think, is still in there. And obviously, Justin Reed was in there. So I I think that the the focus this year was definitely coverage over pass rush. And, you know, as I said on Monday, you know, as Bobby Stroop pointed out, it's like four wide open touchdowns in that Bills game. <laughs> and you had a couple wide open ones in the Cincy game as well. Like you blow coverages that bad in the biggest moments, something has to be done. And there was a lot of older bodies and a lot of departing bodies as well. Charvarius Ward's not old, but he got paid. It just seemed like there needed to be a clear focus on either loading up the pass rush to insulate that secondary or just throw numbers at the secondary. And so I do think that they chose that specifically this offseason. I would have gone Travis Jones over Brian Cook, I think. Um, that's one of like the few positions I was really like, you know, or spots in the draft. Like I, I might've done something a little bit different there. I think I'm trying to, I don't want to go all in and say he's not prioritizing defensive line. And I know that's going to drive you nuts, Maddie. Um, but <laughs> I think, I don't think he's done at defensive line. And I think that's where I sit, like in his mind. Wait on that I, big Jaron Reed post cut. Well, you know, I think it's like a, you know, well, I mean, there's still some interior players out there. It's there's, just a joke because I got attacked for not thinking he drastically changed the Chiefs' defensive line last year. <laughs> he was fine. I just, I think they're gonna add. I think there's some guys that are still available to be added along the interior or along the defensive line period. And like, you know, right after the draft, what they do, they go make that little move with Melvin Ingram. They they tag him. Um, just to make sure that they basically have the rights to him through the summer is really what that was for me. Like, I think they were just like, let's just make sure like nothing screwy happens. He doesn't want to be here for training camp. Let's just like own him, own the rights to him throughout the, throughout the summer. And then we'll see what happens. Like, that's how I translated it. Um, so I don't think, I don't think Mel, I don't, I doubt Melvin Ingram's mad about that move. He probably knew, Hey, we've been discussing this $4 million deal dollar prorated contract potentially. Cause you're coming week three. I don't know. <laughs> but I just thought it was the vibe I got. I think they're adding to the defensive line still. Like, I think they're probably not done. Like, I just, so I, I'm not, I'm going to hold out reservations on saying in entirely, Hey, this is a complete shift in coverage over, over, over front. I think there is definitely a shift in, in some capacity for sure, but the drastic nature of it, we'll find out because I still think that this team is going to be looking for opportunities along the defensive line. They might already have some stuff lined up. I mean, they, they didn't just wake up, and decide right after the draft to do the Melvin Ingram thing. Like, I think they probably had that idea for a little bit. And so I think there's probably more to reveal itself here with, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the defensive line group. Do you think it was held until after the draft though, because they didn't end up getting more defensive linemen in the draft? Now that's a good doing, question. <laughs> doing it before the draft kind of tips your hand. It says like, Oh, Hey, one, we're looking for one. Two, we have this backup plan, so we're not going to be a team that reaches, whereas everyone's going to pass. There's just, you know, I can see, I can see the way you're talking about, right? Where they're still making moves. I mean, 
Brett Veach was very was shifty as Sky Moore when he was talking about that question in his presser, right? He did not want to answer that directly. Um, and then beyond that, you know, you look through it, and I can definitely see the routes where they're trying to wait and see who gets cut, who might become available, who is still available. That's absolutely an option. Robert Quinn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They seem to very specifically go out of their way to attack the secondary. Sure. Last year, they very specifically went out of their way to attack the offensive line. They talked about defensive line, and all they did was sit pat and take the guy, take the guy that was there, and George Karloftis, and then just said, okay, we're going to tag Melvin Ingram and then we're just going to run this group out there. And I'm not saying it's right, wrong. I'm not saying that's the end of it. It's just, it's interesting. It's interesting to see them go about that given their philosophy over the years, given Steve Spagnuolo's history. So I was a little taken aback to see them go that particular route. Now, I will also say, I wonder if they looked at this draft class and they're like, um, defensive line, we don't love this in this section where we're going to pick we don't maybe love this group maybe they like next year's class maybe they like the free agency class and there's a lot of other options they could go into it i think they will fix it obviously at some point in time in the next couple of years it's just i we all thought it was going to be this year and it kind of took me by surprise that it wasn't i i do think they're probably going to make a big swing along the defensive line some point next year too like i do think that's very much a possibility that they go i mean you know, we'll see what happens. Like some of the some of the better pass rushers probably aren't making it to the to market, but um, you know, we'll see. I, 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 I don't think they're done at defensive line. I do think they're probably gearing up for bigger investments, maybe in the draft or in free agency in twenty twenty three for sure. Because I think there is a necessity because they could really overhaul the complexion of that defensive line with Chris Jones too. But I mean, I think I mean the Chiefs have like the fifth most cap space in the NFL right now. So I think that they could be a little intentional about fixing some stuff. I would, James Bradbury is likely to be released. I wouldn't Please, be. Please, no. I'm they not have be. so many corners now. Yeah, but I, do you, I mean, I don't, you're, you're muted, Craig. Uh, I don't think they're, uh, <laughs> I don't think. I'm, re- I'm think- ready to roll with Lonnie. Like I think if I, I got to do that, I'm ready to roll with Lonnie and that. Right. I'm fine with it too. I'm just like, you know, like they don't, the, the draft capital they were able to get for Lonnie Johnson or give up for like the Texas got a 2024 seventh round conditional pick. Conditional. That is conditional. like, I th- I'm pretty sure I could go for a conditional seventh. Um, <laughs> listen, listen to Holiday over here thinking all highly of himself. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I could, you know, I'm just not gonna be surprised by anything. You know, I don't think Nazir. I don't. No offense to Nazir Johnson. I don't think Nazir Johnson is changing their opinion about whether or not to go after James Bradbury or or even Jalen Watson. I just don't think that's how they perceive this group. And you know, I could see them continuing to add veterans. I mean, I think DeAndre Baker could be on the way out. They they just give up. The- Someone's got to play special teams. Did you hear Brett Veach talk about how their special teams <laughs> yeah. unit is thin and regressing, and they need bodies? You putting James Bradbury out there on special teams? Well, Ben Neiman's mm-hmm. coming back. 
No, no he's I, not. I very no. clearly listened to Brett Veach talk about that too. And sorry, nope. George, George Karloftis ate his number, and Leo Chanel might kill him if he sets foot in the building. So <laughs> we're not we're not doing that. Leo oh, Chanel right. going the to play Iowa, the all... Iowa connection. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. We just hey, look. Leo Chanel is all, all you need. eleven special teams positions at once. Leo Chanel can do it. He's all you need on special teams. He's um, problem solved. Yeah, a couple more defensive stuff, just to kind of along the same the same thing. Um, the team seems very high on Brian Cook. Um, oh yeah, the team. Everybody that talked about him seemed to really like him, and I'm, that's kind of not like a shock. Oh hey, the team that drafted a player likes him. Well but, hey. Uh, can I jump in really quick? Because like I listened to the Andy Reid NFL Network interview, and Andy Reid said specifically, this was shocking to me. This is surprising to me. It's like he had a shoulder injury, and if he didn't have the shoulder, he probably doesn't – like he, I don't think he falls to them at 62. So like Andy – like I don't I don't think that's just coach speak and him trying to sell a guy because you don't want to sell him too high either. You try to want to keep even expectations. That was – interesting to me like he thought he was going higher than that like he values him higher than pick 62 sorry matthew that was just that one blew me away that was shocking everybody seems really high on him about how smart he is and everything um what stuck out to me was the talk about how dave tobe absolutely loved him and thought he stepped in the door as a four core special teamer um so there's i mean there was one so i, I just want to touch on some brian cook real quick the team likes him and they see him as a special teams player. And then uh, Brett Beach, very straight up said, Leo Chanel, we see him as a Sam and as a backup Mike linebacker that allows, you know, it allows Willie to move around. So it's like, they, he very clearly told you what he thinks about a couple guys. Now, I know it's the first day after the draft, how much of it's real, but they were pretty straightforward with some of that stuff. Yeah, they really were. I, you know, we didn't have to wonder long what they thought of Leo and what position they expected him to play. Hell, they told him on the phone. Yep. So are you ready to Andy said, are you ready to step in here and play Sam, Sam. linebacker day one? Like, okay. Well, and that Leo couldn't that. have been more excited. Oh my goodness. The man, was, to hit the people? man was over the moon. Do I get he to was. be violent? Yes. I mean, and yeah, Brian, Brian Cook, similar sort of way. I, I think they have a very clear vision for him and it's not just special teams. I know Dave Tobe is excited about that, that they have a very clear vision for him on defense, but yeah, like Maddie's alluding to there, the increase in special teams, they obviously felt like they were lacking there. They felt like they were lacking a little bit. So go get two guys that not only are going to help on defense and you have a clear vision for, but raise the floor, raise that floor of the special teams unit. I know we talk all the time about Dave Tobe getting these guys, but this is a scenario where I think you're comfortable with it because there's so there's going to be a defined role on defense and you're going to see splash impact plays on special teams as well. Clear focus for both sides that both those guys fill. Isaiah Pacheco, too. Core special teams player. Like, that's another guy I think is going to see a lot of time on special teams as well. Like, they got some guys that are definitely going to be special teams contributors. Keep an eye on Nazee Johnson. Keep an eye on uh, on uh, Jalen Watson as well. I think those are another couple guys that might wind up getting some opportunities. You know, if they're going to stick on this roster, they're going to have to. So I, I do think the floor was raised on the special team and one Leo Chanel is worth five Dorian O'Daniels. Just like one McAdoodles is worth five of any liquor store in Kansas City, you're going to be ecstatic with McAdoodles coming to Kansas City this summer 2022 to Lee's Summit. Best, best selection, best customer service, best prices in Kansas City. Listen, 
Macadoodles is coming in here with a violence like you've never seen, <laughs> like Leo Chanel is expecting. And if I know anything about Chiefs fans, and trust me, I listened to that press conference, they are ecstatic for that <laughs> level of disruption in the Kansas City market. So if you are a franchisee, you need to get on board with this. More disruption, more stuff. Get a hold of Roger, info at macadoodles.com and get yourself the Leo Chanel of liquor stores in Kansas City. We can get, I just talked about 11 special teamers in, in Leo Chanel. Like you can play all 11. Let's get 11 Macadoodles and just rule the liquor store market in the Kansas City area. All right, let's get out of here unless you guys got anything else. Anything you wanted to say before we get out of here, guys? Maddie, any, any other thoughts you want to touch on? No, we'll, we'll save the offensive presser stuff for, for a later show. We just focus on defense, the side of the ball that matters. It and does it matter. Look at the way, look at their draft capital, Kent, and try and tell me that they don't think defense matters. Coach agrees. They could just, I mean, it's just because their quarterback can do anything. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone that helped us hit a million downloads in year one. That was pretty dope. Uh, and thank you. This is our, we're recording this on the one year anniversary of KC Sports Network. So uh, may the force Woo. be with you. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you later.